welcome listeners to another episode of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Char. And I'm Kelly. And we're halfway through Woman in Horror Month and our love of horror event, bringing you this episode of Carrie from 1976. But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we created this drink to be a spiked teenage nightmare. <laughs> my joke made you laugh. Yeah, it was good. We also wanted to remind everyone that all Patreon pledges for this month of February will be donated and matched dollar for dollar to WAVA, Women Against Violence Against Women. Whoa. Whoa. So if you wanted to donate, where would you go? You would go to patreon.com slash drink and scream. This episode will contain discussions on abuse and bullying. So if those are things that you don't need in your life right now, that's okay. Don't listen to this episode. So I made this lovely drink. Yeah. That you are sipping. Mm-hmm. And it is called, do you want to take a guess? It's not prom night teenage nightmare or whatever you said in the opener well that's the description oh which is basically how i named it because i called it prom punch Mm. because i wanted there's a lot of beer in this film so i wanted to include our new sponsor parallel 49 so i wanted to have some beer in this cocktail which is very surprising that a drink that you were making features beer it's true because you are notable beer hater that is me yeah so kudos for branching out from your comfort zone, I guess. I mean, I kind of didn't because I smothered this beer in raspberries. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I wanted it to be basically like a punch at a prom or like a high school dance or whatever, like a fruity, fizzy drink. And then people just pour shit into it to get hammered. So like beer or vodka or whatever. But there was so much beer in this Carrie movie that I had to put beer in it. I do love beer. This is good. Strange. Good. Strange. (laughs) Because it is very thick because you just used like mushed up fruit. Instead of like a fruit punch or something like that. There's also some juice in it. Okay. But only a little bit. But it is mainly crushed fruit. It also has like the seeds of raspberry in it, Mm, which are getting getting caught. It's almost like a slush drink, but instead of ice, it's seeds yeah i like it i can taste the beer in it too but i think you said that you cannot well i specifically spoilers technically my recipe is half a can but kelly got more of the half a can than i did (laughs) shocker (laughs) but um yeah i like it because it's really sour and it's really fruity raspberries are my favorite fruit besides like no yeah strawberry i'm allergic to strawberries Dun, dun, dun. Did we bring that up in the last one? I don't know. It sounds like a familiar joke. We'll we'll bring it up several times. I feel like anytime fruit is involved, we'll joke about using strawberries. Ha ha ha. The good thing about this drink is that the base that you've made, you could technically put any liquor in, especially with the theme of it being a punch yes. at a prom. Very when it, true. Whatever you can smuggle in. I feel like most proms don't put beer in there. Like most. No. Yeah. Spikers. It would be like a, something that you would put in a flask like vodka. Yeah. Because what are you going to do with the beer can after you're done? Crush it put on it in your, your head. Put it in your back pocket or something. Make a duct tape beer sword. People do that. But not at prom. You're specifically trying to hide. I the don't liquor. know. Proms are awful. Come in with a camel pack on full of beer. Woo. 
Um, yeah, I like it more than I anticipated. I was worried I wasn't going to like it, uh, but I do. And actually, I was also worried about the chonks and I thought that it would not be pleasant to drink, but it is. Which meant- makes me think, you know, that weird drink that it has kombucha? like not kombucha, kombucha? But it, what I don't know how to say it. It's similar, but it also has seeds like chia seeds in it. I think that might just be calm or kombucha. The stuff that you buy at like the grocery store and it's like chunky and you're supposed to shake it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's no calm or kombucha. Isn't Definitely it? something else. I don't know, man. Now I'm going to be all confused. Someone will tell us. I'm sure. Well, I, anyways, I never drank that because I was like, that probably tastes gross or not tastes gross, but feels gross in your mouth. But I'm assuming it kind of feels like how this feels and this feels pleasant. I mean, you specifically said you don't drink the bubbles at the bottom of your bubble tea, which is the best part. Yeah, I hate that. I always ask for half bubbles and then I chew them, but oh, no. Oh, why you just don't order no pearls? Because then it's not bubble tea. It still is. It's just no pearls. (laughs) Anyways, it's a good drink. It's a fine drink. Thanks. I wanted to update everybody on Fan Expo. Do a little little snippet of Fan Expo. So we went to Fan Expo this last weekend. We did. We were very sick, but we still did a live episode and people came. Everybody, people came to my- We had people in our audience listening to us live. My first live episode, the crowd was full. It was a very small crowd to fill, but all the chairs were full. (laughs) So I was really happy. Yeah, I was fully expecting my mom to show up and maybe some of our friends, but there were actually people coming up to our booth before the show being like, hey, when's your show? I want to come see it. Yeah. And then when we said words at them- in person, they nodded and some laughed sometimes. There so was questions. There was. There were answers. And then people came up to us after and said that they liked the show. So that's good. And we gave away a big prize pack. And the person who got it thought we were bigger than we are. They were very excited to take their picture with us. Nobody's. Christian, <laughs> if you're listening now, we're it's the, the cat's out of the bag. We're very small and new. Was it Christian? Yeah. I thought it was Kristen. Hmm. I don't know. I was full of adrenaline. I read the syrup. name. I read it. I was it. full of all the acetaminophens and abuprofens. <laughs> I was very drugged up during that show. I'm basically a celebrity now. Yep. Just doing sh- live shows high. And we got to meet Kevin and Oscar from The Office. We did. Side note, not podcast related, but that was awesome. I mean, we continuously talk about The Office on the podcast, so it's tangentially related. related. Ha ha. Ha. Now back to the episode. Yay. So this week we watched Carrie, which premiered on November 16th, 1976. It's based on the book of the same name by Stephen King. The screenplay is written by Lawrence D. Cohen and it's directed by Brian De Palma. Mm. A synopsis for you all. It's nearing the end of the school year. High school senior Carrie White is a social outcast, largely due to being unwise to the ways of the world based on her upbringing. Her mother, Margaret White, is a religious fanatic. Her extreme views primarily targeted against sex, which she believes is a sin. She even believes that menstruation, which is a normal part of female puberty and maturity, is a sin and keeps all knowledge of the female body hidden from her daughter, Carrie. Carrie experiences her first period in the high school's locker room in the shower. Believing she's suffering from internal bleeding, she begins to plead to other students for help, who in turn mock her by throwing tampons and pads at her, chanting, plug it up, plug it up, while Carrie is cowering in the corner. Miss Collins walks in on this and helps Carrie, sending her home for the day. 
She's the only authority figure who takes this bullying event seriously and punishes the girls involved with physical activity detention. During detention, self-absorbed Chris Harginson vows a revenge against Carrie for the punishment. However, the popular Sue Snell begins to feel sorry for Carrie. In wanting to help her get out of her shell, Sue asks her boyfriend, the equally popular Tommy Ross, to take Carrie to the senior prom instead of her. Meanwhile, Chris has got her bad boy boyfriend, John Travolta, to slaughter a pig and collect its blood, perfect for her revenge on Carrie. Carrie's home life is stressful with her mother continually repressing Carrie's questions and forcing her to pray in their prayer closet, which is similar to the Chokey from Matilda, but looks more like a demon's dungeon. Over the course of the film, Carrie learns she has the power of telekinesis, which is exacerbated by stress and extreme focus. Mrs. White doesn't want Carrie to go to the prom, but Carrie goes anyway in a beautiful dress that she made herself. She has a lovely time at the prom, but we see that Chris and her friends have another plan for Carrie. They rig the prom king and queen contest for Carrie to win, and Chris hides under the stairs to pull a rope that will dump a bucket of pig's blood on Carrie as soon as she wins, before Sue can warn her. Doused in blood, Carrie wreaks havoc with her telekinesis in the gym, murdering all of the students and staff inside. At home, her mother decides to murder her so she can be with her father, but Carrie manages to fight back against her mother, impaling her with various sharp objects from the kitchen. All of this stress causes the house to cave in on top of the mother and daughter. Later, we learn that Sue Snell is the only survivor of that night, and she is not doing well. She dreams of visiting Carrie's gravesite, where a final jump scare of Carrie's bloody arm reaches up to grab her. Just like Friday the 13th. Boom, boom. It's true, the original. I wonder if there's 12 Carrie movies. There's a, a sequel. I know. Unfortunately, I know. I haven't seen it. There's also lots of remakes. Mm, wait, there. Sorry, quick. There's lots of remakes. Two. Okay. And a TV show. What? But I don't think the TV show happened. Don't. We're getting into the scary facts. Hit me with that trailer audio. It's the night of the senior prom. The Bates High School gym is alive with excitement. Everybody is there, even Carrie White, the girl who lives in that creepy house. With her crazy mother. Help the silly woman see the sin of her days and wet. For everyone else, it will be a nightmare. Carrie. A new film by Brian De Palma. There's something about the way that they do the like her staring with the red lighting and like the dun, 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 music and like the shot zooming in, shuddering <laughs> in. It's scary. It makes my arms crawl. It's Carrie is scary. Yeah, I have a date with Carrie. I have several things to unpack from that trailer. What's a, the first one? Yeah. <laughs> a, that was the best movie of Carrie that I have ever watched. Just the trailer. Just the trailer. If anyone wants to watch Carrie. Just watch the trailer. Just watch the trailer because that's it. Was it was the whole movie. Two, they misspelled Stephen King's name in his own trailer? Yes. Okay. <laughs> This is his first movie. And they're like, man, by the bestseller, Stephen King. Yeah. We couldn't. Well, that is a the... normal way to call to write Stephen. But the person making the trailer couldn't just look at Double the check. book that was next to him. It was. This is his first film 
Is it the first trailer this person made? I don't know, but like he's like a nobody. So there's like Steven. Yeah, Steven. I know how to spell Steven. He Uh, paid, he got paid $2,500 for the rights. Sweet. That's it. Great. That seems. Although he's like really happy because it's basically what launched his career. Oh, that's good. Same with John Travolta. I had another thing to talk about, but now I can't remember it. Oh, sorry. Uh, here, one sec. I'm going to quickly rewatch the beginning again because I think it was near the start. Okay. So I learned something from this trailer that I didn't actually know from the movie. Uh? That the high school is called Bates High School. Ah, interesting. Did someone name Bates hurt Stephen King at some point in the future or the past? <laughs> did Stephen King... Wait, did Stephen King write Psycho? He did not. No. So Stephen King... <laughs> wrote Carrie and as an homage to Psycho named the high school Bates. Maybe it's in the scaredy facts. No. Yeah, that is stupid. That is it. What? People put references in their films and stuff all the time. That's not stupid. Wait, that's true. They're, the school in Silent Hill is completely copied from the uh, kindergarten cop school. Yeah. It's stupid in the way that all references are stupid, but people do them because they're fun. Just give me your thoughts. Uh, I was. <laughs> My first thought is very smart and good. I'm excited. Boobs. Boobs. Not just that. There was full frontal nudity. There was Bush. A lot of nudity. Like, I guess it's supposed to make the girls locker room seem like scary and sexual. I don't know. Or just yeah. like, just like animalistic that all these high school teens are running around naked. Yeah. There's like most of the shot of Carrie in the shower is like artistically covered where she's like covering her boobs with soap and, and then like washing them her hair and stuff. Or it's got an over the leg shot so you can't see anything. But then there were there were some boobs yeah. of Carrie and then the rest of the girls were there were lots of boobs. There was tons of boobs. Yes, that's it. That was like 10, 10 seconds into the movie. We screamed that <laughs> it's a very important, important fact. It made me feel like how that moment in Knocked Up when uh, Catherine Heigl and Seth Rogen have to like watch all those movies because they're making this stupid website about the times that boobs and bush can be seen. Yes, I totally have seen that movie. You haven't seen Knocked Up? <laughs> no. Oh, it's great. Well, anyways, Catherine Heigl goes boobs, boobs and bush. And it was exactly <laughs> what I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I'll have to see that movie now. Probably I wasn't allowed to see that movie. That's fair. Yeah, it was kind fair. of old. You were old enough when it came out. That's fair. Also, I just realized something. So a near the end of high school, right? So that's 18 for everyone, right? Yeah. Ish. More, more or less. Carrie's just getting her first period. This yeah. isn't one of my facts. I was just thinking a question it's is 18 and normal. I thought most of them is like 14 is like the average. Well, I graduated high school and I was 16. I was 14. <laughs> Little information for all of you <laughs> <laughs> when I got mine. Uh, it can be as young as eight years old and as old as like 20. Wow. It's very wide range. But yeah, most people get it when they're like young teen. I guess she's also supposed to be like a late bloomer because her mom is holding her down. And that's why it's so shocking when it happens. She has no idea. Mm. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my God. My changing body is so scary. And the most appropriate person to write about that is a man. Damn straight. From Maine. (laughs) My second thought is that Everyone in this movie is just like comedically evil in, uh, I'm going to say, unbelievable ways. 
So the first one that we really run into is the principal who refuses to call Carrie Carrie for some reason. Oh, that drove me insane. He just keeps calling her Cassie. And then people correct him. Like actively correcting him while he's talking. So he's entirely just doing it to be an asshole to a random student who just went through a traumatic incident for no reason whatsoever. Yep. I probably just hates women, I guess. Yep, exactly. It really reminded me of like upper level male management. Yeah. In any corporation ever. Because like the first instance we see of people being evil is the girls in the locker room chucking tampons at Carrie. But in my mind, I was like, that's just like hive mind mentality, like mob mentality of this screaming girl. And you're going to make fun of her and all these girls just kind of chime in together. I was like, that's realistic. But the principle of this school just being like outwardly an asshole for no reason. Kind of weird. Yep. And then totally. there's there's Billy Travolta. <laughs> who A is, I mean, the trailer said that it was introducing John Travolta. So I guess this was his first role. Um, He was in a, he was a star of a TV show. So it was like introducing in his first full length feature. Oh, okay. And yeah. he never talked in that TV show, right? <laughs> He's ne- he, this is the first time he's had to act, correct? Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. OK, yep. that makes sense then, because the why he's awful. Yeah. And like then there's uh, Chris and the two of them together is like Chris keeps calling him a shit and then he smacks her a bunch. And they're just this back and forth of like two terrible people. And then like when they have to kill a pig to get the blood, he's like mocking his friend for not wanting to kill the pig. And then he just gets in there and starts going buck. He's kind of like a slapstick character it's- in his like comedic evil. Yeah, I their whole relationship with the smacking and the making out and then smacking more. It's very weird. Yeah. It was also extremely confusing given the fact that he couldn't act that I wasn't too sure what a kind of emotion he was supposed to be giving. <laughs> I never knew if he was pissed off or into it or aroused or hungry. But it was what very were his confusing. goals? That's what you really needed to know. To leave the car at some point, but then he started getting a BJ and then Ugh. I don't know. And then like he's constantly drinking beer Hence the the cocktail I made. Yeah, it was perfect. It's perfect. And then he gets (laughs) drunk and he's basically more of like a slapstick character. I don't know. This was a very confusing character to me. Yeah, I don't have much to counter to to fight back against what you're saying. I completely agree. (laughs) Good. because This isn't a debate podcast. This is a discussion podcast. Yeah. Uh, And then there's Chris who like I constantly was saying this during the movie. By the way, this was not one of the movies that we ended up respecting enough to stop talking to enjoy. I think we (laughs) were running a commentary while watching this movie. Yeah. But Chris's like motivations. I've never read the book, but literally the first scene, a girl comes running at her with bloody hands. She chucks some tampons at her. And then her teacher is the one that makes her do all the exercise, takes away her prom invitation, like all that stuff. So then... Chris is like, I hate Carrie for making me lose my prom invitation. Yes. Even though I'm a bitch to my teacher and my teacher did this, actually. That doesn't matter. She's a teenager. She can't think that far ahead. She thinks of the first thing that happened to her was that bitch Carrie White. Why does she have to be so weird? All right. So then her first instinct is to dump pig blood. It's a bit of a sociopathic move right there. Yeah. And then immediately jumps to, I'm going to run over Carrie with this car. Yeah, I'm going to murder that hoe. So I can't go to prom translates, I'm going to murder Carrie with this car. And there's very little in between there. Yep. Yes, that's. Yep. It's comedically <laughs> evil. That's like the evil villains that like 
the hero called me names when I was a child, so now I'm doing world domination and stealing this nuclear device to blow up the world so I can run it. Levels of evil. That's like, yeah, syndrome from Incredibles. Exactly. <laughs> like, I don't... I well, didn't, he had even more of a reason to because it was his hero that was being a bit mean His hero? His hero. <laughs> <laughs> hero. Is that what Billy says to Chris? Hero. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Anyways, that... Yeah. <laughs> Which leads into my other point, which is that weirdly enough, the mom was like the most understandable villain in this movie. What do you mean by that? So we learned that her father or her husband impregnated her under like sinful means, which is to say sex before marriage. Indeed, with the whiskey on his breath. Oh, and she loved it. Um, Got her pregnant. Presumably left either when she got pregnant or sometime early after that. Yeah. And so left for another woman. Yeah, exactly. So now the mom translates that into a sex bad B. I should have aborted bear. Uh, I should have aborted Carrie, but I was too weak to do it. Well, in that's her a mind. sin too. Exactly. Or I should have killed you when you came out at least is what she actually said. <laughs> and my husband left me for another woman. So that woman is evil, which all kind of like coalesced into this like self woman hating hate fest that she then projected onto Carrie. Yeah. So weird, which is weird, but also like a good ramp. Like it, it, it checks, it checks out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like every, it's kind of like the same thing with Chandler's homophobia in the fact that he translated his parents breaking up from his dad coming out and leaving his mom. Yeah. They're both equally bad, but understandable, I would say. It makes sense, but we are not giving her excuses. No, exactly. <laughs> it's just, I mean, a good villain is written in such a way that yeah. it's believable why they're a villain. Chris wanting to run over Carrie because Chris threw a tampon at Carrie. Her mom, all this shit happening to her, turning into a self-loathing woman. A uh, bit, bit of a difference, I just, would say. Just a touch. Yeah. And then my final point is actually about the pacing of this movie ah. and how goddamn buck wild it is. <laughs> you mean you didn't like that they spent 20 minutes jiggling a rope? No. In the prom when it's the middle of all the action and finally being awesome? I wasn't a huge fan of having to look at that bucket of blood and then everyone move in slow motion trying to either stop it or chuck Sue out of the prom and seeing everyone's very slow reactions. Even worse was just the constant cutbacks to the hand holding the rope and just like slightly moving it. And then Chris like lick, licking her lips before she pulls the rope. And why are they? They pick the worst spot to see because they're under the stairs facing the crowd. They can't even tell if she's actually in the right spot. No, it was it was very weird. They, I mean, they could have waited for her to give a speech or something, but I don't know. So that's weird. That's like the climactic moment. And it was extremely boring where I'm just like, drop the fucking blood so we can see it. And it also was really funny that they like dropped real blood on her for like one shot. And then after that, it was like, let's put paint on her. More paint than there was blood on her. <laughs> so <too>. much. <laughs> like the iconic image you have of Carrie from like stills is her just drenched head to toe in blood. Yeah. But when the actual bucket falls on her there's like maybe her shoulders a bit and the top of her head her hair yeah that's about it and it's so thick it was like looked like pudding almost like bleh on her face and then can we talk about the fact that the bucket just kind of like falls onto her date's head and he like dies die question mark i mean he sure as hell died when she set fire to the gym yeah 
But like, that was kind of strange, right? I laughed a little when it kind of just bonked on his head. Boop, and then he falls and then he looks up and sees her and he's like, what? No. Oh my God. Everything in slow motion. Yeah, that was very weird. Yeah. Then also... <laughs> There was like a montage of everyone getting ready for the prom, right? Yes. They're all super excited teens, either setting up traps or getting suits or Carrie trying on makeup for the first time and making her dress while her mom walks around. And I like that part. It made me excited. Except when the boys were getting their suits, they were kind of doing this like comedy routine together of like dissing each other about not wanting to get a suit. Yeah. And then for like, mm, I, I would say like a split second, maybe less than a sentence, they just decided to like speed it up for no reason, I guess. Literally like chipmunk voices and and they move fast, but it was for such a short amount of time. Like if they had held it for maybe as long as they held the looking at the bucket of blood, then it would have showed that they'd been there for a while. But it's like, if I just skipped over this next sentence that I'm doing, it's like, if you watch this on a VHS and you accidentally hit the fast forward button, they were like, Oh, I wonder how many people thought that they did. Yeah. Where they like reached for the remote. They're like, shit, fast forwarded. And then it stopped all of a sudden. So that was very weird. Super bad. And then like the entire f- first part of this movie, I would say, like all of the movie up until her and her date walking into the prom, I would say just has like this weird wave of like either going too fast or too slow to the point where like the slow parts shouldn't be slow. Like, Chris in the car with Billy for the first time. That scene had way too much time happening with nothing important going on. But then they would like cut over Carrie learning how to use her telekinesis. They barely showed it. I know. And it's like by the time she's blowing up the gym, it's like, how the fuck did she learn how to do that? From shattering a mirror and then making her mother sit on a bed. Yeah. And then ultimate destruction. Setting everything on fire. At least Matilda had the hindsight to have her like lift a candy, which is pretty precise work. And then chuck her friend out the window. And then we see her have the whole dance party in her living room, making all the shit flow around in very artistic ways with ultimate specificity and control. Exactly. Carrie's just like, I can shut a window. Now I can use a fire hose and shoot people very dramatically. (laughs) And make every time it happens, the music goes right. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's the things that I'm doing. Me, (laughs) Carrie White. And then finally the scene of Sue in her dream walking up to the White House. Not not the White House, the White's house, the Carrie's house that is got a cross on it and says Carrie's burning in hell and then dreaming very slowly. And then the hand reaches out, which is basically the same scene from Friday the 13th. Yes. But then she freaks out because it was a dream. But are we supposed to think that it's Carrie reaching into Sue's brain or is Sue just having PTSD? I think she has PTSD. Yeah. But I guess we'd have to watch the second one to know for sure. (sighs) Do we? Must we? I mean, we might do it one day on this podcast. God. Oh, God. Oh, my. I'm trying not to, like, be too critical of it because it is a classic. It's, like, critically acclaimed. It's Stephen King's only favorite of all the adaptations of it that there are. But what if he's been uh, labeled wrong? What if it's Stephen King (laughs) and that guy gets all the credit? Stephen gets none. I will say, though, that the, the climactic scene of the movie is pretty fucking rad. It's awesome. Yeah. The pacing minus again, that stupid rope moment is really good. Like the moment after the guy gets bonked on the head 
and she just goes full buck wild. And there's a shot of her from the side walking down the steps of the stage and everything's on fire and she's covered in blood and the music is like really on point. And her eyes are so wide and scary. So good. Like that's probably the only part of the movie you really have to watch because yes, I'm pretty sure they dumped their entire budget on that one scene and it a hundred percent shows. And the moment, well, I guess it's the continuation of that, but when they flip over the car, that's although let's talk about that moment Oof. because oh. I can't believe you didn't bring it up yet. Oh boy. So Chris sees Carrie walking down the road, thinks I'm going to drive over her. Also, Billy is drunk in the passenger seat, whatever, after a couple beers and Carrie like turns around and flips the car. And as it's flipping and spiraling, it cuts to the inside of the car. And rather than like having the camera turn, they just filmed John Travolta and the actress who plays Billy or not Billy, the actress who plays Chris, like freaking out a bit. And then they just spun the screen so much so that you can actually see the blacks outside of the spot that they're spinning. It was completely awful, like Windows Movie Maker bad. Yeah, it was like it was like a spin transition. So they had the budget to flip the car, but then not and blow it up like there's fire. Yeah, but not show John Travolta and her like flipping. I don't know. That was weird. Yep. I guess it was a safety thing. I don't know. I mean, they had a stunt double, obviously, standing next to this exploding car. Yeah. So I don't know. That was extremely weird to do. Oh. So weird. (laughs) We're going to take a moment to talk about our sponsors and socials. This episode of Drinking and Screaming is brought to you by Parallel 49, who provided us with the craft lager used in today's episode. I was the only one who drank it alone because Char doesn't like beer, and that would be a bad advertisement if she drank it. So, Because I would say, oh, beer. Gross. Disgusting. I liked it. It's good. It's a lager-ass lager. I'm kind of getting tired of all the craft breweries here that are making IPAs. Ah! And... I'm glad that some people aren't just doing IPAs. I think I heard somewhere that IPAs are super easy to do. So Mm. maybe a lager is more complex. I do like that the logo on it is a cross, very fitting for this film. But also it's the East Van logo kind of, which is a big tree or not a big tree, a big cross in East Van. Yeah, that just, says East Van on it. Just Google the East Van sign and you'll you'll see what we mean. But then this one says Craft Lager. And it definitely was intentional, right? That you got the beer that has a cross on it for Carrie, right? Totally. Yeah. Did it on purpose. But yeah, I like it. It's a lager-ass lager, and I could down a bunch of these, which I think is what you want with beer. Hell yeah. <laughs> if you're looking out for more uh, drinking and screaming content, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream, on Facebook at drink and scream, and you can email us at drinkingandscreaming at gmail.com. The best way for us to grow and get super successful and have more time for the podcast is if you tell your friends about us. So please tell your friends. Speaking of friends, we have a discord that you come hang out with us. Go to bit.ly slash hopped up discord because we are still using the super hopped up discord. I think we probably will for a while. Yeah. Drinking and screaming is like, I would say still technically under the umbrella of super hopped up. It's just things that we make. So I don't know if we'll ever actually leave the Super Hopped Up Discord since we already have a community there. Yeah, so so join it. Yeah, it's a cool community, well-moderated, and there's no toxic assholes, so you won't go all carry on everyone. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I just wanted to do one more little thing about reminding everyone that all of our Patreon donations for the month of February are going to be donated and matched dollar for dollar uh, to WAVA, Women Against Violence Against Women. They fight sexualized violence um, against women in Vancouver. And it's an organization that's very near and dear to my heart. Are you, was that your last one? Yeah, that was it. Ooh, my turn. So I have two stories to tell. Ooh. And my first one is that I grew up in a religious family. Ooh. Not hyper religious like this lovely white family is, but we were Catholic, like Catholic, like, like church going and. You were basically wasps where you went to church because that was the thing to do every Sunday. Yeah. You were like the Simpsons. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And my mom was like of all of us, the most religious of the whole family. But then I turned eight. And when I turned oh, eight, I hear some women have their periods as young as eight. It's true. <laughs> that didn't happen to me. But what did happen was I told my mom that I thought God was stupid. Nice. Stick and, it to him. <laughs> and uh, I didn't want to go to Sunday school anymore. And we had this big screaming fight. And it was very dramatic. I did not throw knives at her, though. Wow, oh, that's a um, shame. <laughs> but then apparently I only just found out last Chris, like this past Christmas. She told me that our town like thought it was this big deal and everyone was talking about it because then we didn't go to church anymore. And yeah, that sounds like some wasp bullshit. And I was like, what? So apparently it was this big deal that Char didn't want to go to church anymore when I was young. And I had no idea that everyone was talking about it. Yeah, that's like, I, I feel like we've talked about small towns and living in small towns where like nothing's really going on yeah. any day. So when anything happens, it becomes the talk of the town. Yeah, but it, I don't feel like I grew up in a small town, but I, I did grow I mean, your up community in suburbia. Is pretty, yeah, your community is pretty small. Yeah. That bear girl doesn't want to go to church anymore. We got to tell the priests and put up banners and flyers. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever small towns do. <laughs> so I just thought that was weird. And I, I connected to the character of Carrie where you got telekinesis and you're like, God is stupid. Exactly. Although Carrie ex kind of accepted it as like a gift from God. Yeah. Like a miracle. Yeah. But then she looked up in books and then the books were like, it's not miracles, honey. It's science. It's just normal. Just <laughs> as normal as that period of yours. Let us tell you about both the things. Yeah. <laughs> do you want story number two or do you want super smart uh, discussion point? Let's do discussion and then another story. All right. I want to talk about Carrie as a monster. <gasps> Whoa. Whoa. So in horror movies, so much of the time, uh, female sexuality and female empowerment are both portrayed as something that you should fear like Jennifer's body or teeth or whatever. Just in life, the rising of the women just really scares me. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, and that's definitely apparent in Carrie because her telekinesis develops as soon as she hits puberty. So it's like goes hand in hand. And then watching this movie, I didn't find myself terrified of Carrie. <laughs> I found myself rooting for her. Destroy the assholes. Burn the place to the ground. Yes. <laughs> It was awesome. Are but, you actually intended to be afraid of Carrie? I know that it's called Carrie and usually horror movies are like named after the killer or the event that happened. Yeah. 
But like, think of that trailer. The whole thing was like a date with Carrie, a night of terror. Oh, she's so scary. Look at the blood. I guess like the moment she starts killing people in prom, that's kind of the moment where you're supposed to be like, whoa, Carrie, this is too far. You're killing eyes. You're killing your classmates. But like, to (laughs) me, it's like, that's right. Cleanse these assholes from the earth. That's what I feel. And then uh, like, she gets it pretty hard in the end. Like her mom stabs her in what it looks like the spine. Yeah. And then she has to kill her own mother. And then she dies by like, her house collapsing in on and of, of itself. Immediately after stabbing her mom as well, her mom like comes real hard. I'm glad you brought that up because I did not. It was not in my points, was, but I remember thinking that while we were watching it. It was so weird. Was it supposed to be like that? I think it was meant to be again. Super sexual. Yes. Because it's like her mom kind of gets a little bit horned up when talking about her whiskey addled uh, husband. Yep. And then getting stabbed by these knives, she just full on like she got penetrated. Uh, 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 and then she looks like their creepy Jesus in the closet when she's dead. Yes. Although it's not a Jesus. It's a St. Sebastian. Yeah. He got shot with arrows. Nice. Just like she got um, impaled. St. Sebastian used to be a hero and then he took an arrow to the knee. Huh? Huh? Yeah. Anyways, I agree with you. I like Carrie was the hero. I don't know. Yeah, that's how I feel. It's, it's yeah, it's very weird. The like book the, is also like that too. reading the book. It's so sad. And like you want everyone to die. I wonder if we'll eventually watch Cujo and be like, fuck yeah, dog, kill everyone. <gasps> I don't know the story of Cujo besides the fact that it's an evil dog that has rabies. So random fact. I used to think Cujo and Beethoven were the same story. What? Beethoven, the childhood friendly dog. I don't think I ever watched Beethoven. There are so many Beethoven movies. Or Cujo. (laughs) I've never seen Cujo. You could do an entire podcast about dog movies because there's Beethoven, there's Air Buds, there's Journey Home. You mean pups in pop culture? Is that a podcast already? Yes. Oh, geez. Well, shout out, I guess. Lady Pod Squad. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) And there's also Can I Pet Your Dog? Although that's not really about just pop culture no but specifically not about pop culture it's about dogs okay story time now story time number two hell yeah well let's talk about awful proms because my prom was fucking bad but not as bad as carrie's prom because that was a very insane level of awful um so i don't know if anyone in history has ever had a nice prom? No. Because I know I haven't not. I haven't. And uh, we're the only two people in the whole world. So prom sucks. I think my mom said she didn't have a good prom. Yeah. I, I think it's specifically designed to give you one last terrible high school moment before leaving. Just so to you con- know to never go back. Well, yeah, because <laughs> high school is just a series of bad moments. And then prom is like just a condensed bad moment. Just so that whole high school experience is just one big, long, bad moment with a period at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my <laughs> my prom itself, like the actual school organized function, wasn't the worst in the world. It was kind of boring. But at the time, I was dating someone who was like super emotionally manipulative and just trash. So I had no hope to begin with when <laughs> I went into the prom. Um, he didn't even ask me to go. He assumed that I would go with him because we were dating, which I guess is fair. But everybody wants to be asked. Yeah. You need that perfect promposal. Yes. And I did not get one. Go. Gosh. (laughs) Then 
Next thing, he didn't want to organize anything with friends about like getting there or an after party or whatever. So literally all our friends got limos and shit and they all decked themselves out and had so much fun. And then we got stuck with nothing. And then I was like, Dad, can you help drive me to the prom? <laughs> Thankfully, my dad, I know you listen to this, Dad. Hi, Dad. Um, my dad had already gone through his midlife crisis hard wink, and he had a Mustang. So we still arrived in a sports car, which was nice. cool. <laughs> so da- my dad did help save my prom a little All bit. All those losers with those limos, and you show up in the Mustang. Mustang Sally. <laughs> Um, and then to top it all off when prom was over and we were like hanging out with people, not even our core friend group. Cause they had all organized something without us. He went off to smoke weed fun great. without me and I hate drugs. So it was just very bad. Yeah. I was incredibly uncomfortable. Prom's bad. <laughs> no prom for sure. Yeah. I went to high school in Kelowna, which is like notoriously just a it's there. They like try to be city, but they're really just hick and they want to go into the the woods and have a bush party. Just, you just make a circle of your trucks and drink beer. I don't know. It's yep. bullshit. Uh, so my prom was literally, I didn't have a date cause I was kind of a loser and we walked in, we'd sat down and did all the like, Hey, this is welcome to your prom. This is going to be the night of your life. Blah, 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 blah. And then immediately <laughs> just this like bumping, annoying club music started playing And my friends and I were just like, do you want to leave? So we just left our prom, went to an internet cafe and played Left 4 Dead. So I went to my prom for a whole three or four minutes. Only that long? Literally, we walked into the room. They were like, welcome to your prom, guys. It's going to be the night of your life. And we walked out. You didn't have like a dinner there or anything? There was no dinner yet. I think it was dancing first and then dinner after or something. It was real bullshit. Uh, So we left and I don't know what happened. And then this year, 2019, last year, um, my school started there or they were having their 10 year anniversary and somebody made a Facebook group of like all the graduates from my year. Nobody wanted to organize it. Someone just said, let's have a bush party. And then I like tried to make it more like a family oriented one. Like I tried to help organize it. Literally the chat of me and the other organizers is like seven messages from me each like a few days apart and then nothing. (laughs) So I'm assuming that like five or seven people who never left went and had a bush party and they were like, fuck yeah, 10 year anniversary. That was mine. Yeah. High school's trash. We had like a thing in our, the beginning of our relationship where we were like, what if we just went back in time and our memory brains and pretended that we were together during our proms? So my memory, my false memory, my second memory is much more fun. Hell yeah. It's like, like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind up in there. I think that's right. I don't know. You just removed your ex from your memory. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Delicious. My final point. I love the amount, the sheer amount of women in this movie. I mean, that first locker room scene sure had a lot of women in it. Did. So we got Carrie. We got Mrs. White. We got the gym teacher. We got all the teenage basic bitches. We got Sue Snell. We got uh, Chris, the awful girl. They're, and they're all complex characters, except for like the basic bitches that throw the tampons. Yeah. Even Red Hat Girl has a lot going on. Yeah. She's got a hat with rainbows on it. And I thought maybe she was a like queer character, but no, she was <gasps> not. I forgot. I did not include it in the scaredy facts, but there is a queer character in this movie. Is there? Do you Mrs. have White any guess? 
It's not Mrs. White. Uh, is it one of Billy's friends? It's Miss Collins. The gym teacher? Yeah. Oh. That was the actress's choice. She just decided to play her like she was a lesbian. Nice. That's yeah. cool. That would have scared me a little bit if Stephen King had written her as a lesbian. Because mm. then he would have probably done something creepy where she's like into Carrie or something like True. that. Yeah. But that's cool. I like that choice. Yeah. Um, and there are only basically like three memorable boys because there's the really bad principal. There's the henchman John Travolta. Yeah. And then there's the nice Tommy that takes Carrie to the prom. Mm-hmm. Which if I hadn't read the book before seeing this movie, I totally would have had this whole like second suspense of like Sue Snell and and Tommy trying to ruin the prom in another way for her. Yeah. It was nice having Sue and Tommy being just like nice people. Yeah. Even if it did like it's the teacher specifically thought they were up to something, mm-hmm. but they were like, no, Carrie's having a rough time. We want to give her a nice night so that she might be happy. Why, why, why we got to have ulterior motives, especially because Sue threw the tampons. She was part of that hive. Yeah, mind. She can have regrets. She felt bad. Yeah. Especially when, um, Miss Collins is like telling them why they're bad. She was probably like, Oh yeah, shit. You're right. I'm sorry. I got caught up in things. Yeah. I'll throw my boyfriend at Carrie and they'll have a good time and I will hang out with my family and it will be fine. Which I thought was kind of weird. It is nice, but like it's an interesting concept to give someone a night of romance because you want them to have that experience, but also to have that experience with your partner. I guess that's a really high level of trust between the two of them that Mm -hmm. she knows that anything that happens that night isn't really romantic. Like it's not, she's not going to, lose her boyfriend or anything like that. Yeah. It's literally just like, you can kiss her and stuff and it's fine. It'll be just like a a nice thing for her. Yeah. I feel like I want to be able to, uh, understand that concept, but I can't. That's fair. (laughs) You can, you can not trust me, I guess. That's fine. I trust you, but I don't want you to kiss anyone. You don't trust other girls. I trust them too. (laughs) Are you ready for some? Scary facts. Ah. I did it. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you who don't know, this section of our podcast is a direct translation from Shara and I's relationship. Every time we watch a horror movie, we'll snuggle up in bed and read the trivia facts from IMDb to comfort ourselves and get over the fact that we just watched a scary movie. So now we've pushed that onto you, the listeners. You're welcome. You're welcome. Welcome to our relationship. (laughs) Okay. I have to power through these because I have so many. They were all so good, but there's a lot. And I want to keep our podcast quick, tight. So it's lightning carry facts. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> Starting with the budget. We had an estimated 1.8 million gross USA. I don't have opening weekend amounts, but like worldwide gross is 33.8 million. Jesus. So they made a lot. How? How? If nobody knows who Stephen King is, how did this make so much money? It's a classic. It's a cl- oh, yeah, I guess. It's, but that's gross like now. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But still, it was very successful when it first, uh, I was going to say aired, when it first released. Well, you know, when they first started streaming it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So when we were watching this, we had a lot of moments where we were like, is this supposed to be funny? Like, it's so over the top. Turns out. Nancy Allen claims she never realized her character was going to be so evil 
until she saw the finished film. She thought she and John Travolta were playing such self-centered bickering morons that they were there for comic relief. Piper Laurie also thought that the character of Margaret White was so over the top that the film had to be a comedy. Brian De Palma, the director, had to take her to the side and personally tell her it was a horror film and not a black comedy as she thought it was. Even so, she would constantly burst out into laughter between takes because not only was her characterization and wardrobe laughable in her eyes, but the dialogue itself was humorous. To this day, she still refers to and maintains the movie as a black comedy. Sick. Awesome. She's like, I don't care, director. It's a comedy, bitch. That kind of makes me think that the scene with John Travolta and uh, Nancy Allen wasn't originally like they didn't realize it was them flipping in a car. They thought it was probably them like kind of skirts, like swerving off the road or something. And they were probably like, whoa, whoa. whoa. And then the, the editor was like, this is terrible. I need to flip this. I need to flip it hard. Uh, next one. When Carrie's mother meets her demise, she's stabbed multiple times for this scene. The knives started off in Margaret's body before being pulled out by strings. Nice. When editing the scene, they played the footage in reverse to achieve the look of the knives flying towards Margaret. That also now makes sense. The actress probably thought that she was supposed to be orgasming because it was funny and then she was being penetrated. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You pointed this out after seeing the trailer. The name of the high school is Bates High, a reference to Norman Bates from Psycho from 1960. In addition, the four note violin theme from Psycho is used over and over in the film. Yeah, we pointed that out a lot. And we were kind of worried, like, did they rip it off? What happened there? And it turns out that Bernard Herrmann, who had been nominated for an Oscar for the music to uh, this this director's previous film, Obsession, from 1976, was also the composer for Psycho. And he was slated to compose this score, but... He passed away the December before the film was completed. Oh. So the person who took over the job uh, did a lot of homage to him. Was it homage or is it the thing that I do when the person that I'm working on a project with stops doing their work and I kind of just copy and paste it a lot and say, yeah, that's what they intended to do. Yeah, I did it. Yeah. Oh, he, I found this file on his computer in 1978 or whatever, 1976 that just says the horror music, horror sound effect. I'm going to put that over all the horror. (laughs) When Sissy Spasic was preparing for her character, this is the woman who plays Carrie, Mm. she isolated herself from the rest of the ensemble, decorating her dressing room with heavy religious iconography and studied Gustave Doré's illustrated Bible. She studied the body language of people being stoned for their sins, and she started and ended every scene in a position from the Bible of the stonings. Wow. Because she feels so attacked as Carrie. That is so meta. When I found that out, I was blown away. That's cool method acting. I feel like that's probably one of those things that kind of makes your co-stars feel a little uncomfortable where it's, especially if they think it's a fucking comedy and it's like, all right, got to get ready for the scene. Everyone in their places marks everyone. And then Carrie like bends herself into like this (laughs) huddled mass. And and John Travolta is like, Whoa, what's going on here? (laughs) What's all this? Yeah. She also um, is famous for telling all the actors that she wouldn't hang out with them. She said that we would have a lot of fun after the movie comes out together. Fine. I think that's cool. A lot of method yeah. actors do that when they're supposed to be like the outside character. Yeah. And I like that she did that too. Next, Sue Snell and her mother are played by real life mothers and daughters. Nice. 
So in the last scene, um, when Amy Irving's outburst was so terrifying, her mother was is actually like in this is when um, Carrie's arm grabs yeah, when she's having the nightmare. The nightmare. About Carrie. Yeah, exactly. And then she wakes up and is like screaming in the bed. In that scene, the mother actually screams out Amy instead of Sue. So they had to like boost up the audio of the music to, to block that, to block that. And like everything was so hysterical that you can't really see it. But she was so concerned for her daughter in that moment that just slipped out. Man, my actor daughter is so good. This is scary. Even though you're an actor and you're in a fucking scene, get the <laughs> line right, lady. Uh, next, Sissy Spasic asked Brian De Palma, the director, how he wanted her to react when Carrie first realized that she is bleeding in the showers. And he said, it's like you've been hit by a truck. So she ended up going to her husband, who was the art director for the film, Jack Fisk. And he, as a child, had been run over by a car. Wow. So um, he was like standing in the middle of the streets looking up at Christmas lights that a neighbor had put up. So she listened to his description of how it felt and what happened. And she used that for that scene. Wow, that's cool. I love it. She seems like a very talented method actor, mm-hmm. especially going to get information rather than sending condoms full of shit to your coworkers. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. It's interesting. The broad range of method actors. Yeah. This actually, this next scene or this next point that I have is really badass because it's about Sissy Spasic and how she got the part. So Brian, the director actually thought of her as just a set dresser, like a crew member. She was never going to be an actress. And then, um, Sissy called him and said, oh, Brian, I'm coming in for the test for Carrie, but I've got an audition for a commercial and I can make 10,000 bucks if I do the commercial. So should I do that or come in? And she thought that he would say, oh, please come in. I got to see you do the part, blah, blah, blah. But because he had such a low opinion of her as an actress, he was like, oh, I think you should just do that commercial. (laughs) Don't come in. And so she got so upset that she sat down in her living room that day and she read the entire Carrie novel from cover to cover, didn't go to sleep for her screen de- test. She came back to the filming area, covered her hair in Vaseline because in the novel, Carrie's like really gross. Mm. She's like pimples and stuff. Um, and she showed up wearing a dress, an old sailor dress that her mom had made her in like the seventh grade. And she had like cut the ends of it off. So she looked like frumpy she rocked it. Nice. I he love- had like basically chosen somebody else for the part already. And then she came in and boom. She got the part out of spite. Yeah. I like that. And also that her husband was the art director. So that probably, probably helped a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It but pr- it's okay. It was one of those stories after the fact where she's like, yeah, I came in all prepared and it was out of spite. My husband was the art director and I got the <laughs> job right on the spot. <laughs> Uh, we didn't mention this. I thought maybe you would talk about it, but in the prom scene, there's a lot of like split screen happening. Oh, yeah. And originally the director had wanted a lot more. He shot a lot of split screen, but then when he finally saw the edit, he didn't like it. So they cut most of it and reshot uh, or re-edited with just full scenes instead of the split screen effect. Um, leaving only a few of those moments that he felt worked. That's good. Cause it kind of reminded me of like a heist movie when it's like showing all of the members doing their thing at the same time to choreograph. Yeah. I almost felt like they were so little of it that why bother putting it in at all? Oh, it's almost like the editor just kept trying random things was, like fast forwarding a scene yeah, for a second it was very or jarring. spinning the frame. 
it might have been like a cool artsy movie if there was a lot more like creative frame transitions and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They could have if there was more then I would have accepted them all. But because there was so few, I did not accept them. This would not be drinking and screaming if I did not call out awful men, which I didn't know this man was awful. But in a 2010 interview with the AV Club, PJ Souls, who's the woman who plays the girl with the red hat, said that Steven Spielberg often came to the set at Brian De Palma's invitation because De Palma told him that there were a lot of cute girls down here. Souls said that Spielberg asked out every woman on set and Amy Irving, who plays Sue Snell, was the only one who accepted. And Irving and Spielberg were married from 1985 to 1983 and they had one son together. Wait, 1985 to 1983? Oh, sorry. 1985 to 1989. (laughs) They reversed time, just like Spielberg's (laughs) famous movie, Back to the Future. I don't think that was Spielberg. Uh, Gross. These ladies, they were not playing. They were playing high schoolers, but most of them were like 25 or whatever. So it's not like they were like he was preying on young women. You can just imagine that the director's like, hey, we're we're filming the shower scene. You should get down here, George. Yeah, it's so gross. Wait, it's spelt like Steven. (laughs) Maybe that's why they put it wrong in the trailer. Ah. Because he was like, I can't find. Oh, we got Steven Spielberg here. That must be how it's spelled. Because when I look at Stephen King's name, if I didn't know Stephen King, I would pronounce it Stephen. Yeah. And I have a friend with the same spelling named Stephen. Yeah. But that, that guy writes stuff. So he must be smart and knows how to pronounce his own name. Yeah. He's from Maine. Oh, (laughs) this is kind of bad. But in the scene where um, the gym teacher is yelling at all the students uh, that like threw shit at Carrie, not shit, but tampons and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then Chris comes up to her and they're having like this little hissy fit together. And then she gets smacked. They she full on smacks her <laughs> and she had to smack her over 30 times because the director wasn't getting what he wanted out of the actress that played Chris. <laughs> So that girl got smacked hardcore 30 times in a row. Doesn't she get smacked again later in the movie? By John Travolta. So I wonder if John Travolta had to slap her a bunch too. (laughs) Yeah, that's intense. And then... Also, (laughs) that reminded me, we didn't mention it before, but there's a shot where Chris is going down on on Billy. Oh God. Full on like blowjob, but she's saying Billy's name like super normally. She would 100%. It's like a long shot. Yeah. So and so she keeps saying, Billy. 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 I have this penis in my mouth, Billy. Billy. It was bad. Yeah. Anyways. So bad. <laughs> um, another moment with Miss Collins when she's yelling at the girls in the gym to get Sue Snell, uh, Amy Irving, to have the such a genuine reaction of feeling so guilty. Uh, the director was standing just off screen and whispering like awful shit to her in her ears so that her misery and guilt on camera would look genuine, which is like such a thing because I've done Bob Fraser shout out. He's an actor in Vancouver. He's done lots of things, but he was a mentor of mine. And when we did monologue work in class, he would like coach and like help you reach like certain moments So I was doing a monologue. I forget what monologue I was doing, but it was like I was sad and I felt ashamed and I had this block and I couldn't actually feel anything. And then he just started saying 
not like awful things about Char, but like, yeah, like look at all these people here who are like staring and judging you (laughs) and like, (laughs) and like saying such hurtful things as if like to the character, not like destroying me, but it works so good. And then I was so connected in the moment. So it's a good acting method. It is. Okay. I was like, is that a dick thing to do? Like, does he not trust that she's a good actress, but maybe she was just having trouble doing the right emotion. Yeah. That's fair. So it was really when I saw that, I was like, whoa, cool. I've done that. <laughs> um, ooh, and I have two, three more facts. But this one is the last really, really cool one. And then I have two of just your really favorites, ones. Kelly. Ooh, my favorites. Yeah. Um, so this last one, though, is that when the fire hose kills Red Hat Girl, who's I wish I knew her character, but the actress's name is PJ souls. Uh, the water pressure actually burst her eardrums. Oh no. So she's not actually unconscious when her head rolls to the side from the force of the fire hose in the film, but she's in excruciating pain. She'd lost her ability to maintain equilibrium and, um, the director kept the shot in, but she had no hearing in that ear for almost six months afterward. But the eardrum eventually did heal. It actually reminds me of a fact that I know about other things. Ah. So Buster Keaton, have you heard of him? No. He was like a famous um, actor, stuntman guy. Okay. Uh, and he used to do like these really long stunts where he would like fall off buildings and like climb up things and all that. It's all very highly choreographed. But there was one that he did where he was on a water pump station, like the ones that put water into trains. Yeah. And he like goes down on a cord to land onto the ground and the cord makes the water come out. And the idea is that he lands, the water comes out and then he walks off the scene. But the water pressure from that actually broke his neck. (gasps) But during the scene, he, it breaks his neck and then he keeps going to get out of the camera's view so that the stunt wasn't ruined and then probably went to the hospital immediately. Wow. Yeah. Turns out water pressure sucks and don't fucking put it in your movie. Yeah. Use special effects for that stuff. Oh boy. All right, Kelly. Are you ready? I'm always ready. For your favorite facts. The car guy's back. Yay. (laughs) Car guy's back and there's gonna be trouble. Hala, Hala, the car guy's back. I mean, we don't know if it's a guy, but person doesn't fit in that song. Car, Carmen. Carmen. Tommy Ross's car that he picks Carrie up for the prom in is a 1973 Ford Galaxy 500. He also drives a 1970 Datsun 521 pickup when he goes over to Carrie's house to ask her to prom. That's his nicer car. Billy's car is a 1967 Chevrolet Chevelle SS 396. See, I don't know what any of these are, and it's a lot of names and numbers combined into a car. Yeah, I don't know either. But I like this section because the dedication of this person to add these facts in, and I'm assuming <laughs> it's all the exact same person. It has to be. I love it. In our it. lore, it is. Also, my stepdad would like this fact, so we'll put him in. Are you ready for final thoughts? <gasps> I am. What for, is your final thought? Not really a final thought yet, but... We did have a question at Fan Expo. We had a poll set up every day we were there of different horror movie related questions. And we never really said who the winners were anywhere. That's true. So if you're listening now and you were at Fan Expo, the second day, no, the third day, the question was who, what was the better final girl moment? Yeah. Between Carrie from Carrie or Alice at the end of Friday the 13th. Who chops off Mrs. Voorhees' head. Yes. You know, 
Two very equally awesome moments, I'm sure. So who was the winner for those two that poll? By a landslide of basically four times the amount, Carrie. Wow, shocker. <laughs> Honestly, I thought I did a pretty good job of pairing up things. We should actually just say all the results. So sure. the first day was Jason versus Michael, the shape, who uh, was the more brutal killer. And it was pretty tough it was pretty even for a while people came and like had to think out loud about who they were going to vote for which was exactly why we did this so that we could have conversation starters with humans that did not know us but then there were two cosplayers one jason and one michael and it was so great they would just come up to our booth grab a bunch of petals which we were using to vote and dump it into their one and then leave and they each came back twice and it was it only just came down to who was willing to cheat the hardest. So who was willing to who was the most brutal cheating killer? By far, Michael, with a whopping 221 votes compared to Jason's 97. Yeah, the uh, the Jason, the first time he came up, he like jokingly reached for a bunch. And then he like timidly, he's like, Haha, no. And he picked up one. And I was like, no, go for it. So he grabbed like maybe three or four. Yeah. And then the Michael came by and just like full grip dumped a bunch of them into his and then they did it again <laughs> yeah that was good i like that um but if we were going by actual votes jason would have won i think probably, probably it was close though then day two which is the better gay icon frankenstein's monster or the babadook and who won that i think that one was actually that one was mostly even because people didn't really know that either of them was a gay icon so it kind of came down to us just telling people the story between each and yeah. then they would decide after that. Yeah. Which it was our closest vote and it much more accurate number wise. Although the first day was definitely busier, but yeah, the, so uh, this one was, Oh, I lost it. This one was 26 for Frankenstein, who was our winner versus 21 for the Babadook. Nice. All right. So my actual final thought, now that we got that out of the way is I think this might be a bad movie. What? Cause Everyone's like, oh, Carrie, it's so cool. It's a great movie, blah, blah, blah. I think they're wrong. And I think Carrie might just be a bad movie. Even in its time, I feel like there were probably better movies around it. And I'm sorry to the people out there who are huge Carrie fans, but I think this might be a bad movie. Yeah. It, it has like the one good scene in that Carrie scene, you know, the Carrie one, the big Carrie scene where Carrie kills people like it's, she does in the book Carrie. Well, it's very dated. I don't even know if that's true. I think there were better movies when Carrie came out. I think <laughs> people knew how to make good movies in 1978 or whatever. They didn't just rotate shots? No. And oh. I think they knew how to pace movies. I think this might have just been a bad movie. <laughs> well, I'm glad that I got to finally see the original Carrie adaptation, but I'm with you. And I, I've read the book and I actually just prefer the book. I've seen the remake, the 2013 remake. And that one was okay, too. I don't know. That one was also kind of bad. The mom is so good in it, though. It's true. I like the mom and like the scariness of the mom and Carrie and that more than in the original. I think I don't like we watched it within the last two years and I don't remember it. Like there were parts of watching this movie that I was like, oh, really? That happens. And then I was like, wait, we watched Didn't the 2003. I know this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe I was very drunk. <laughs> Um, but I also wanted to mention that there's something really chilling about the last 20 minutes of the film 
like the whole blood covered moment. Oh yeah. The shot of Carrie like walking alone on the street even, which yeah. isn't even the climactic moment. Like that's really creepy. There yeah. is something about like a, a poorly lit woman covered in blood walking down the street alone at night. Ugh, creepy. Who to thunk? Creepy. Well, that's been Carrie, a movie about how you can never have a good time at prom. Next week, we'll be watching Crimson Peak from 2015. Oh, hell yeah. And remember, always scream responsibly. Ah! Bye!